You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today I want to try to get caught up on some things. We spent the last two days um, glossing over the final game, complaining, whining, getting upset, uh, and all that good stuff. Today, I want to focus a little bit more on some of the things that have been happening in that time frame, specifically some of the um, press conference stuff. Um, just kind of getting caught up on the narratives and whatnot. Probably I have some clips from YouTube about, again, more of a narrative-y thing. I've been trying to stay away from it because I know it's all just going to be trash in the Packers and everything, but um, kind of highlighting some of the thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and just wanted to give my opinions on that. Again, just so that we're caught up. And I do want to spend a little bit of time on the draft. Um, spend a lot of time today, probably too much time today, although you can't really spend too much time on the draft. Uh, Mr. Brandon Johnson, vault hunting Pac-Man on Twitter, uh, vault 14 hunter is his at. He asked, he did a mock draft and asked for my opinions. And I decided, you know what, let's dig into each, because I want to go through all these prospects anyways. The, everyone likes to do the seven round Packers mock drafts. I'm more of a first round mock guy because once you get past the first two picks, it's like, dude, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, man. It, It gets so convoluted. It's easier to focus on the first round because you can really narrow in on the top prospects and really start to get some opinions. But anyways, I figured I better branch out. So he did his seven-round mock, and I went through each of his picks and gave my opinions of them. People hated my opinion of Brian Branch, and granted, I was critical. I think everybody else, I was overly positive just because that's usually what you do. But uh, my first look at Branch, because I have such high expectations, he didn't meet them, but no question, you look at PFF, he's one of the, I think he's the second highest graded safety in all of college football, elite tackling, elite everything across the board. So I'm sure he's a great football player and would be fine here. I'm just just giving my honest first opinion. You don't have to take it as gospel, and you certainly don't have to fly off the handle if you're an Alabama fan. <laughs> um, so I want to go through a couple of these guys, because I really do like several of them. Um, By the way, his picks were Brian Branch at 15, Darnell Washington, who I'm sure many of you have heard of at this point that I'm becoming a huge fan of at 45, Uh, Travis Hodgins Tomlinson at 78, who is a corner, Deuce Vaughn running back at 115, Keanu Benton, defensive lineman at 149, and Hunter Lipke, Lepke, Lepke. I heard him say it a thousand times when I was watching the uh, video, but I I couldn't quite, the the P is so like subtle, it almost sounds like they're saying Lukey, but I think it might be Lupke. I don't know. Doesn't matter. But uh, teammate of Christian Watson over at NDSU is pretty cool seeing him score touchdowns. And then Christian Watson comes over and, you know, high fives him and whatnot. But why don't we start with the Packers stuff? The first thing, and it's a little bit unfair to say that this is definitely what he's saying. I'm sure he takes some of the blame. But it is funny because they talked about, you know, 
what was the issue? Like, why, why, why did you guys suck, basically? And here's what he had to say. I just, uh, you know, didn't take advantage of opportunities um, to be able to move the ball in the first half and have nine points or whatever it was. And, you know, um, basically had two turnovers. Um, you know, the fourth down, we didn't convert and um, put our defense in a, in a really tough situation right there. And they were able to hold them to three and then also had a fumble. And um, you can't do those types of things in, in this type of game. So again, I mean, you can mix in, and I'm sure if you ask him directly, be oh yeah, yeah, totally, you know, my fault with the play calling and everything else, and I should have had this, and I should have done that. But when he was asked directly what went wrong, we didn't take advantage of opportunities. What opportunities? In other words, it was right there, but it didn't happen. Why? I mean, that could mean a lot of things, but it sounds to me like the teams, the players, had a chance and didn't do it. And and as evidence, he goes on to talk about turnovers. Can't be doing that. We drive down the field, and then there's a fumble. So I don't think he intends to say this, but I think he's being a little bit more honest than <laughs> maybe he means to be. And I'm not saying he, he called a great game or anything like that, but it seems pretty clear in his mind the guys just didn't show up. And I think that's true. I mean, that's obvious. The drops, that's what you call not taking advantage of opportunities. A.J. Dillon could have converted a first down, and he dropped it. Romeo Dobbs could have had a big gain, and he dropped it. Alan Lazard had a big first down conversion, and he dropped it. Aaron Jones, fumble. Aaron Rodgers, pick. I think he's ticked off that his team didn't show up. It's not what he's going to say, but I think that's what he means. Next thing is Matt LaFleur being asked about the interception. Here's the other thing. We talked about this yesterday on Packernet After Dark in terms of Matt LaFleur not really having, um, if I may be so crude, not really having the stones to stand up to Aaron Rodgers or to ever contradict him or say he does anything wrong. Now, this isn't necessarily untrue, but you can say a lot of different things about the last turnover that ended the game. And I really think it's unfair and wrong, especially for the... for the, It's one thing if the quarterback does it, and I'm not saying Rodgers is even doing this, but to have a head coach that's so scared of saying anything about his quarterback that he's going to throw everybody else under the bus around him, that's not right. Now, he's not wrong, but at some point you got to step up and call out your quarterback. So here's what he had to say. Yeah, I don't know. I got to go back and look at. By the way, the the question is why did he have so many interceptions this season as compared to prior seasons? But it, um, certainly, uh, you know, look at some of the things that we're trying to do. I know the last one there. So first of all, again, his first comment about why does he have so many picks? All of a sudden, is I don't know. I got to go back and look at it, which is a throwaway, meaning I don't want to talk about it. I don't know. Don't worry about it. The second thing he says is we got to look at some of the things we're doing. In other words, I don't know, it's my fault, and then he goes on to blame other people. I think we busted a protection. Um, you know, um, he had a guy right in his face, and I think he was trying to give Christian a, a shot at it. He's trying to give Christian, see, see, and this is what I'm saying. He busted a protection. Yeah, that guy messed up, whoever that was. But so did Rodgers. You threw a ball up in, in the middle of the air. By the way, you had Lazard wide open, but you decided to take a shot to a guy that's not even open with the ball, with, the, with a hand in your face, because what? It's a bad decision. It was a bad decision for all the reasons. But instead, it's, I don't want to talk about it. It's my fault. It's his offensive line's fault. And Rodgers, not, not only do I not want to mention um, 
Rodgers' flaws, but I'm actually going to praise him and say he tried to give him a shot. He, he tried to give his guy a chance. Come on, man. They came down with the pick. It's just, I don't know. I, I, the, the, the larger point is if Rodgers does leave, it's, it's great insofar as everybody on this team should be equal. And I understand Rodgers isn't equal. Fine. But this isn't right throwing everybody else under the bus. And they've been doing this with the wide receivers and everything else. And Matt LaFleur is a big part of it. The problem is, even after Rodgers leaves, Matt LaFleur is the guy doing it. That shouldn't be okay. It's like, well, he's gone now, so that won't be a thing anymore. Yeah, but I still don't like that he's doing this. And I don't think the players are going to necessarily respect him because he's the guy that was doing this. I just, I wish somebody would have a, a, a little bit of a backbone and be able to stand up and say, Rodgers is having a bad year. Or at least, if you don't want to throw Rodgers under the bus, fine. Don't throw everybody else under the bus for him to protect him. That's messed up. That's messed up for anybody to do. It's especially messed up for a head coach to do. Well, the offensive line, you know, he tried his best, and he did the right thing in trying to help his guys out, but he just couldn't do it because someone on the offensive line failed. Come on, man. If you don't want to throw a guy under the bus, fine. But you just did it. And to pretend like everybody else on this team is garbage to be just discarded, but Rodgers must be protected at all costs is, is annoying. I don't mind Rodgers being here, but if this is the culture, I don't like it. And to be fair, I, I think a lot of fans are to blame because this is what fans have been, and, and the media, by the way, has been, has been begging for. How dare the Green Bay Packers stand up to him? How dare they go toe-to-toe with him? And essentially, the Packers broke. Gutekunst stood his ground. Matt LaFleur, everybody stood their ground against Aaron Rodgers, and everybody threw a fit. How dare you treat Aaron Rodgers like this? How dare you not allow him to have a voice? How dare you do this, that, or the other? And now the Packers have completely broken. They gave him the contract that he wanted. They gave him the security that he wanted. And every time you talk about Rodgers, it's always positive, and we have to have him back, and anything we can do to bring him back. And it's not okay. And, and again, this is not an Aaron Rodgers problem necessarily. This is, this is specifically a Matt LaFleur and potentially Brian Gutekunst issue where they have made a conscious decision as an organization that they will do anything and everything to appease Rodgers. And I don't like it. You threw Aaron Jones. You had no problem complaining about Aaron Jones and everybody else that made mistakes. But when it comes to Rodgers, one, was it one turnover or do you have two turnovers? I don't know. I think he had like three that should have been, but one actually counted because one got dropped. One was called back on a, on a penalty and then... Then there was this one, and, and he's, he's not even going to say that Rodgers had a part in this. Rodgers did the right thing. Come on. It's gutless. Here's the next question regarding do you want, or it's, it's do you think he'll be back next year or something to that effect? You guys have a lot of thinking to do there. Oh, I think that's, that's uh, yeah, I mean, in my mind, absolutely. But I think ultimately he's going to, you know, decide that. So, listen, I, and, and it's a minor thing because... I, I I don't know how else you could answer it, but again, there, there's there's a difference in tone of we're going to need to have some conversations with Rodgers. We got to see where he's at, that kind of thing. Every time, especially Matt Lafleur, Gutekunst isn't quite this fawning, but Matt Lafleur is always oh a hundred percent. Like he 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 has to come back. It's not a question. Like we we want about that, 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 that. Personally, I think a better answer, as I said, would be. We think Rodgers still has plenty to give. We're going to need to have some conversations with him and see where he's at, and then we'll go from there. 
Because again, this is this is if you go, this, that's the kind of answer you're going to get from most coaches about most things, including the Packers about other players. And it comes from a standpoint of of power. We are in control, and I know that they're not. But it's a we'll see kind of attitude, and I I just don't like that they have this. Oh yes, of course we love him. We'll do anything for him. I don't like that. I don't think the team likes that. I don't think the players like that. I don't think I know the fans don't like that. It's just it, honestly, it's a little weird. You should never have this feeling of being needy. We need this person. We can't do anything without this person. Please, Lord Rogers, do whatever you need to come back. At least fake it. Fake that you have a little bit of control and a little bit of like, eh, who cares? We believe in Rodgers. We're going to have some conversations with him. But no matter what, we know we have a great quarterback going and going in next year. If Rodgers decides to come back, we have confidence in him. If not, we're very excited about Jordan Love and, and we can't wait to uh, showcase what he can do. Boom, done. What's wrong? Is that going to offend Rodgers? That's my point. Who cares? Treat him like everybody else on your team. And if you can't do that because, well, you can't because he actually is better than everybody else, then I don't want him. Nobody should be that. Here's what he had to say about, and granted, this is a more serious issue, but again, Matt LaFleur has no issue calling anybody out. This is about, he asked about Razul Douglas's penalty and Quay Walker's penalty and all that stuff. Again, this is clearly more serious, but just to, again, illustrate, he, he has no problem being disgusted with anybody else. I, I don't know, but uh, we, we, <laughs> that is unacceptable. I've got a much higher standard for our our players than to do silly things like that I mean we've had a guy get ejected twice I've never I don't think I've ever seen that in my career and we got to be much more mentally tough Um, anytime our guys commit personal fouls I take that very personally because I think that's always a reflection of myself and the standards that we set for these these players and um you know, we got to be better and we got to learn from that because that is unacceptable. I think he's right. And th- and this has kind of been the problem that I have with Matt. And, and I hate for this to be a pile on Matt thing, but it is what it is. I, I, I just I just have questions and I don't know where to go is my issue. And my, my, my issue is that he's right and I don't think he knows how to fix it. I don't think he's a culture guy. I think he is a, I think he's a, mad scientist. I think you put him in a lab somewhere and he comes up with plays and schemes and all that kind of stuff. I think that's what he is. Um, I think that the breakdowns, the uh, lack of effort at times, the lack of control, the lack of all that stuff is because there is no actual control. I don't think Matt LaFleur has control of this team. I think that that's why you get the wild swings. That's why you get breakdowns constantly in the postseason. That's why you have Robert Tunyon coming to going on a podcast saying we get to a point where we're just like, man, we're frauds. We don't belong here. That's on Matt LaFleur. He's not inspiring confidence in them. They're a 13-win team, and they don't believe in themselves. But yet you got the Detroit Lions over there who win one game, or what, what were they last year, like a three-win team? They believed in themselves. And even this year, when they started one and six, they never gave up. They never stopped believing in themselves. It's a culture thing, and the culture thing is driven by the coach. I, I have no doubt Matt LaFleur has identified the issue. I don't think he has the ability to fix it, and that's what makes me nervous. And I don't want him fired, therefore I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Maybe he, maybe we should replace him. But I, it's just such a massive change over something that I'm not even positive about. 
But I think that's a tough spot for Mark Murphy to be in, because if this is his conclusion also, what do you do? Let's just say hypothetically I'm right. What do you do? Do you just throw your hands up and say, well, let's just keep stacking the team with talent and hopefully they can figure it out without proper leadership? Hopefully we can weather the wild swings that are going to come, that come with the the penalties and also the the players just giving up at times. And, and you know, just that's why I said, I think yesterday on, on Packernet After Dark, it was the Packers are going to have to be a team that can beat playoff teams when they're at 50% compared to another team's 100%. How, can, can, can a team get that much talent? Can you be that much better than another team that you can play at, at 75% or whatever it is and still beat a team that's all out? I don't think so. I don't think that's possible. So what are we going to do? We, we either need to find players. Brian Gutekunst needs need to go out and get players that are big-time culture guys to bring into our locker room, which maybe is the best option. Or continue to get, and, and I think that's a big part of why we're drafting who we're drafting. We're getting guys out of Georgia, which isn't just because they're good players. I think it's a culture thing. These guys are champions. They're winners. They don't know anything different. They're not coming into a bad defense. They're coming from being the best defense in, in all of college football. Elite, dominant, never going to do anything against us. That's a culture that they want to bring into Green Bay. But the problem is those guys are going to come here and that, that, that attitude is going to die. And I think that's part of Quay Walker's frustration. He's used to being just this dominant force, and, and now he's just getting pushed around, and he's not able to showcase what he's doing, and the defense as a whole is getting mocked and laughed at, and he's not handling it very well. And it's because he doesn't know how to handle it very well because there isn't that proper leadership to rein everything in. Again, I've said a thousand times I like Matt LaFleur, and I, 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 I really mean that. I think he's a good person. I think he's a great person. I think he's a good play caller. All that. I, 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 I think there's a big issue with leadership. I think it's cost us several potential championships and, and potential Super Bowl runs because I think we were at least in contention and should have at least gone further than we did. The collapses, I mean, 2019, I don't know that we beat that San Francisco 49ers team, um, but the absolute collapses are terrible, and they, it keeps happening. It keeps happening. And the collapse this year against a bottom 10 defense, um, really inexplicable for an offense that was starting to find its rhythm, um, a run game that was really on point, that was going up against one of the worst rushing defenses in football that couldn't find a way to run the ball because Isaiah freaking Bugs was shredding our offensive line. Isaiah Bugs, who was one of the prime reasons in, in, in the preseason time, I was talking about Detroit having one of the worst defensive lines in football. Detroit and Chicago were just horrific, but Detroit was probably the worst because their two top defensive linemen were ranked like 103rd and 102nd out of 105 or something like that. Isaiah freaking bugs. Come on, man. So again, what, what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. The only thing I could think in terms of keeping LaFleur, which I do want to do, is we have to go out and find culture, guys. And, and I, I don't know for a fact, but I, I really think it would be a positive move in the right direction if Rodgers decided not to come back. Because he is a big part of what this culture is. Whatever it is. Um, it, it just, it's, it's the Aaron Rodgers team. It's the Aaron Rodgers locker room. It's all that. And it's going to be hard for anybody to come in and drive the culture 
aside from, you know, how he has it set up and how he wants it to be. I mean, he is usually pretty good about letting other guys take the reins, but it's got to be the right guys in the right way and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's I guess that's my favorite option at this point. Find culture guys in free agency and try to go get them with whatever limited funds we have. But I, I just think it's going to be a struggle without having the right coaching staff to drive that. Seems like Matt LaFleur's thing is to just talk about the expectations in Green Bay, and then when guys don't meet it, to just talk again about the expectations in Green Bay and just assume that that's good enough, just letting people know, hey, we expect better. Okay. And then they don't play well. Hey, did you forget? I told you we, we need to be better. Remember Green Bay is like a great team and all that stuff and the and the high standards we set? Like that, I'm sorry, that message, it's falling flat here, Matt. You know, we got to back it up with something. And then again, the question comes up about Aaron Rodgers. Are you sure he's the right guy? He's been coming up short. And he didn't really play very well this year. It sounds he, he said it might be a preposterous question, but are you sure? A couple things I want you to pay attention to. Number one, how angry he gets. Matt LaFleur sounds really angry that the question was even asked. And then what does he do? He throws everybody else under the bus. He throws himself and his coaching staff under the bus, talks about how great Aaron Rodgers was. He sounds like a lot of the Aaron Rodgers defenders who immediately want to go to look how good he used to be, as though that means anything to me. And then talks about the rookies and, and the transition and everything else. But not once, not one comment about our expectations from Aaron Rodgers. And he didn't quite meet those expectations. Not one comment. Completely dismisses it. You want to, he didn't have the best year. He's come up short in the 49ers last year. In this game. Yeah, I, I look at everything year to year. So um, certainly I think there was a lot of growing pains that took place throughout the course of the season. And I thought we improved and got better. And I thought the rapport... With everybody. You, you improved and got better until until it mattered, right? And that's when everything, including Aaron Rodgers, collapsed. He got better, um, you know. Because this last game was trash. It was trash for the offense. Not defense, not special teams, offense. Offense, who is led by Rodgers, who didn't play well. We all have this... This vision of, I mean, you're talking about one of the best to ever do it. Yep, used to be. And we all have this vision of what it's supposed to look like each and every week. Yes, we do. That's exactly the point. We know what Rodgers is. We know what great elite Hall of Fame Rodgers looks like. That's why he asked the question. Because this year he wasn't that guy. That's why he asked the question. Rodgers didn't play like Hall of Fame Rodgers. So are you sure he's the guy? I don't need you to explain to me how great he used to be. Answer the question. Um, and I think anytime you got some young players or young you players, new players, or new players transition, transition. It, it does take time. And Coaching um, staff, here we go. We got to ultimately, what I got to do, what our staff has to do is we got to do a better job for our guys, put them in a better position yep. so that that my fault. curve is expedited and that we it's our offensive we coordinator's can fault. that high level of play that we're so accustomed to seeing from him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the way that we see that version of Aaron Rodgers is when the receivers get better, when the offensive line gets better, and when we get, do a better job of putting him in a place where he can succeed. That's such BS. We watched the games, Matt. We saw the throws. We saw him throw balls into the dirt to guys that are five yards away. We saw the interceptions. 
What was that pass to David Bakhtiari? Are you taking a blame for that? Bakhtiari could not have been any more wide open, and he throws it five yards short into the arms of Aiden Hutchinson. He threw three picks in this last game, three of them. He had one drop, one callback from from, uh, a penalty, and then another one which was just throwing up a prayer when he had Lazard wide open, which is exactly how the playoffs ended last year. Why don't you answer the question honestly and for once just say, you know what, Rodgers didn't play very well. He's a part of the issue. We didn't play well. The receivers were, are, are young and inexperienced. Our offensive line needed to step up. And yeah, you know what? Rodgers didn't play well either. But he won't do it. And I hate that. It's unbelievable. There's no question why we can't, why we can't trust his leadership. This, this whole thing of just everybody needs to fall on their sword for Rodgers. Come on. I, I told you, this is where I get annoyed with the Pat McAfee show because it's so just sycophantic, if that's a word. It's so gushing and everything is, oh, I, I, everything's everybody else's fault. But like, you know, totally. Like, come on, man. Is anybody on planet Earth going to hold that guy responsible for anything he does? I mean, Rogers is the only one that holds himself accountable. And even that is kind of iffy. It's kind of a, I should have played better, but... I don't get it, man. I just don't understand this. And I don't like this. It can't be this hard to just say, you know what? Um, he had a down year. We had some crazy circumstances. You know, we had we had a lot of transition with the offensive line and the wide receivers, and I need to do better. And you know what? So does Rodgers. But we have confidence moving forward that we're going to get it right. That's it. That would be a perfectly fine answer. But he will not. Critique the guy. Then there's a follow-up question. He really holds his feet to the fire and says, yeah, I get all that, but you guys had six months. It seems like a long time to kind of get that figured out. And allow me to add in my own commentary. Christian Watson was the only thing working on this offense. So the fact that, you know, the young guys were kind of creating problems in my mind is BS. Lazard took a step back. Randall took a step back. Dobbs was great for a while before he kind of fell off. Christian Watson was the only thing working with, with, Basically, the entire offense, with the exception of like two offensive linemen and, you know, Jones and Dylan usually. That's it. He was the only thing that was working. But anyways, um, here's, here's his response to that. Get some of those new guy things sorted out. No, I think anytime that you have that, when you have young players, it's, it, it's a little bit of a roller coaster. And there's a lot of learning involved along the way. Um, and that's just, you know, you can call it what you want to call it, but that's reality. I mean, you see it throughout the course, of, uh, throughout many teams throughout the league. I know in my past experiences, anywhere I've been, uh, there is a transition there. I want you to get the, uh, the, the seriousness, of, seriousness of this in my mind. Christian Watson has been phenomenal this year. His growth has been incredible. He exploded around week 10, which probably coincided with the Packers deciding to finally give him an opportunity. His route running improved, his catching improved, everything improved with him. Everything. The cat must be free upstairs, the dog's freaking out. He he never barks like that unless it involves the cat, which is not our cat, he's a neighborhood cat, but of course we've got to let him in the house all the time. Because it's cold outside, but I know that's not going to stop when it gets warm outside, because that's just how these things go. Anyways... Christian Watson has done everything right. 
And he has been the best thing that happened to this entire offense in terms of getting it unstuck, getting it moving, and everything else. And a question was asked directly about Aaron Rodgers and his specific flaws. And Matt LaFleur said, well, it's because the young guys don't really know what they're doing yet. He put it at the feet of Christian Watson. He's blaming Christian Watson for not getting up to speed rather than saying the very obvious things about Aaron Rodgers. How unfair is that? How unfair is that to Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who have done great things and have made great strides and have helped to make this offense significantly better than it would have been if not for them? That's entirely unfair, simply because he will not say anything about Rodgers. He would much rather throw other guys under the bus, which is is not true, by the way. It's not even true. It's not Watson's fault that Rodgers is struggling. He's not missing passes and throwing up prayers to nobody and not throwing to wide open receivers and throwing the ball in the dirt and and taking delay of games and taking 15 yard sacks where you can easily throw the ball away and all these issues that we've been complaining about all year. That's not because Christian Watson doesn't understand his role in the offense. Are you kidding me? How unfair is this? What kind of a leader does that? It's wrong. Can you imagine being Watson right now? Everybody else in the world is praising you about what a great job you did and how you single-handedly helped this offense become what it is. And your own head coach is throwing you under the bus and blaming you for the reason Rodgers regressed this year. I mean, he threw himself under the bus too, but he dragged you down with him because he can't simply just say the words. He expects better of himself, his coaching staff. How unfair for his coaching staff. Imagine being the offensive coordinator, drawing up a perfect play. Rodgers doesn't throw it to him and instead throw, doesn't throw it to the open guy, instead throws a pick, and then the head coach goes and says, well, we got to be better as coaches. Dude, this guy. You know, everybody, no matter what workplace, you want to you want to coach a, a boss that has your back. That's That, to me, is the biggest thing. I want you to have my back. I want you to trust me. I want you to defend me when people come after me and attack me for things. I want you to be my advocate. Can you imagine if you went to work and somebody else made a mistake and your boss blamed you because they have a favorite in the office? It's a, it's a very serious thing. And it's one thing if that's true, it's still going to suck. But if it's not even entirely true, if, it, if it's not true at all and you did your job, but you're still getting thrown under the bus to protect that guy who did not do his job, now we got serious problems, me and you. And I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to work here anymore. You talk about high standards. But you won't back it up when people ask you about your quarterback and the standards that you hold. Suddenly, you don't hold that standard anymore. Not okay with any of this. This is basically the closest he'll get to to holding Rodgers accountable, but essentially he lets him off the hook again. The question is, again, a follow-up. So are you saying you didn't see any drop-off in Aaron Rodgers? And essentially his answer is, well, the team dropped off and the quarterback gets the blame for, for the team dropping off. Listen, I think every every year is a little bit different in regards to um, there, were, there was plenty of mistakes. I think many times, and I've said this throughout the, my tenure here, the quarterback's going to take the brunt of the blame when you, when you don't have success. And a lot of the other time when you do have success, they're going to get too much of, of that praise. It takes everybody on that field. And ultimately, you know, all 11 that were out there throughout the course of the season, um, and then our, our staff, I think we got to do all collectively got to do a better job, period. So again, did Rogers make more mistakes? He wouldn't really address it directly. But what he did say is 
the quarterback is just kind of the the headpiece. So when the team is really good, he gets all the credit. And when the team is bad, he does he doesn't, you know, he takes most of the blame. And so really ultimately what it was is Rodgers he wouldn't say it, he wouldn't answer the question directly, but he implied that Rodgers didn't necessarily get worse. The team got worse and Rodgers is just bearing the brunt of that and people are saying he got worse. The problem is that's BS. We watched the games, Matt. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting blamed because Aaron Jones can't convert a first down or because Romeo Dobbs dropped passes. I don't blame Rodgers for that. I blame Rodgers for stuff he's doing. And I'm just asking you to do the same thing. And you won't. I'm watching the game. I'm not talking about the, the, the total offense fell off because of him or the points fell off because of him. I'm talking specifically about the issues that Aaron Rodgers had. Specifically, his problems have increased. If you want to get on here and say, yes, he played worse, but it's because he has a busted thumb, then freaking say it. I've said all year, I wish they would just come out and say, yes, it's a problem, because at least they're acknowledging the problem, but they won't do it. Then, hilariously, he was asked about the wide receivers and, you know, is the reason you didn't bring in more wide receivers because you liked your receivers so much? Yeah, I, I thought we felt confident with our, our receiving room, uh, with our receiving core. Not only Christian, but Rome. There were a lot of great moments with him. Obviously, Allen's been a steady veteran for us. Uh, Randall, um, I think Samori is a guy, a young guy that's come on. And This is the part where he just lists off the roster and doesn't say anything. Shown flashes. Uh, so I thought we felt ultimately, collectively, that that group, we felt pretty comfortable with where we were. Comfortable, but yet the offense sucked and it's their fault. But, you know, still comfortable. Fair enough, Matt. I'm not going to play it because he said four words, but the question is, why didn't you guys run very well? And he said, we didn't block movement very well. That's true. And, and if you go back and listen to my review of our offense and go look at the clips that I posted, you'll see that they put their offensive linemen in impossible situations. That's why. We didn't block movement very well. That's true. They moved, and they moved quickly, and they were so far away, our offensive linemen couldn't get there in time. We asked them to do impossible things. Didn't block movement very well. Okay, whatever. And then probably my favorite question in this whole thing. <laughs> he says, based on how clearly biased he's being about Aaron Rodgers, the question was, you said that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest to ever do it. Does that affect your evaluation of players each year and each offseason? And, Rod and Matt LaFleur just shrugged his head and said, I don't think so. It is a valid question, isn't it? The guy's sitting right here trying to evaluate for us. And he refuses to acknowledge Rodgers' problems and has come out and said, because he's the greatest to ever do it. How big of an issue is it if he's... It's one thing to do this in front of the media, but behind closed doors with coaches, I'm not saying that it's right, it's wrong either way, but behind do closed doors with coaches, you better be freaking honest because you can't fix a problem if you refuse to acknowledge what it is. And if we have coaches or GMs that are doing this, they are ineffective and they will not succeed here in Green Bay or anywhere. You have to do what is best for this team, no matter what. Game to game, play to play, year to year. Don't give me any of this resume BS. Well, look at what they've done. Look at their body of work. I don't care. I want you to tell me right now what they're going to be, what their play is going to be in 2023, and that's it. I don't want to hear about 2011 or 2014 or 2020. I want you to build me a team for 2023 and beyond. Oh, that better not be happening. I'll tell you right now, that better not be happening. If, there, if, 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 if he in particular or anybody else 
uh, like his quarterback coach, for example, who's a great friend of Aaron Rodgers, if there is any evaluation going on that is slanted toward one player or another, that's a very, very serious issue. And for him to just go, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, better not be. I'll tell you that right now. Anyways, that took a lot longer than I thought. I should have known that I'd be doing two press conferences and that's it. We'll take a break. We'll come back and and look at Aaron Rodgers' press conference. Um, We'll see how much time we have after that. Uh, Please consider checking out patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support this podcast for as little as $1 a month. It would be greatly appreciated, obviously. If you are opposed to Patreon, uh, but you still want the perks of the Substack, like the show notes and whatnot, uh, you can go check those out at uh, packernet.substack.com. I don't think I'll have any notes for this. It's two videos. You can find them on YouTube, but we'll see. Also, please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we'll start off with the obvious. Uh, The question was posed, what do you want to do next year? Obviously, he doesn't know. He's not going to answer it. But it's it's all about reading between the lines. So here you go. I mean, it's a little raw right now. You know, it's just a little bit after the game. So I want to take the emotion out of it and have the conversations and see where the organization's at and see how I feel after some time has passed. So honestly, we could end it right there. I think that's everything anybody needs to know. The, the, the first part is probably the most, well, first part is very important because everything that's pointed to, well, he's going to retire because of this or because of that, you got to understand the emotion is in it. So yeah, his, his head's hung low and he seems solemn and he seems sad and all that. It seems like he's going to retire. No, he's sad because of what happened. And he also has it hanging on him that it might be his last thing. He doesn't know. So it's heavy and it's sad and it's an emotional thing. 
but that doesn't really have anything to do with what's going to happen when, as he said, you're going to step away, remove the emotion, and then the next part is have a conversation with the organization to see where they're at. Because we kind of made a big deal about Pat McAfee saying he's not coming on the show, he's going to have this intense two-day meeting with the Packers, and we're all like, oh, dang, what's going on? This is this is a normal, like, every year debriefing. Uh, I'm sure other players do it. I know the coaches go through it, but obviously this has a little bit more weight because the conversations may lend to Aaron Rodgers' decision. But it's not... There's nothing super crazy about it. It's just I need to go chill out and then talk to the team and then just go sit for a while and think. And that's why I said on on Tuesday when he does go on Pat McAfee, do not expect an announcement. Now, it's possible. um, It's entirely possible that he's leaning very heavily toward retirement, and based on what the Packers say, he knows he's going to retire. I think he still would want to take more time because he's more of a deliberate person like that, but very slim chance he says he's going to retire I, th- I think 99.9% that he's going to come on and just say, I need you know time to think about it. I'm, I'm and then we'll do the whole reading between the lines thing. But this is pretty much all you need to know. But we'll continue anyways. Uh, next question, is there a timetable? Any sort of timetable? Is there like a date where you want to make your decision by? Or? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hold them hostage. Uh, you know, I understand uh, you know, we're still in January here. March is for agency, so... Um, just need some time to, uh, like I said, get the emotion out of it and then um, figure out what's best. And and again, I, I don't have any issue with any of this. I know people get annoyed by it and it's like, I'm sick of this whole, like, will he, won't he thing. Yeah, but that's on us. That's not on him. We're tired of go, having to go through this. Well, oh, well, then don't go through it, you know. Um, I don't know what we expect him to do. And I, I believe what he says. I believe when he says he doesn't know if he's going to retire, people are like, oh, he's definitely not going to retire because of Tom Brady and because of the money. I think that's BS. He doesn't know, and he means it when he says he doesn't know. And I think he is going to take time, and I think he does genuinely want to get a decision out so that the team can do what's best for the team. I believe that. I, I think, we again, we read too much into him trying to be vindictive and trying to do this out of the other. I think he's going to try to make sure that he gets a decision to the Packers in a timely enough manner that they know what to do going forward in terms of what the salary cap is going to look like, um, which is unbelievably volatile right now, not knowing when Rodgers is coming back or not in terms of projecting out the future. And that's going to hurt you know, the salary cap and all that because you have to leave room for the potential what-ifs. You can't sign a guy to a contract that you can't necessarily honor if Rodgers decides he's coming back for two years or something. Then it's like, oh, crap, we're screwed, you know? So, But if he is gone, then you have a lot more flexibility. We know we're going to take this hit, and then we're, we're you know, we can work around the rest. But no, I, I, I think that's a genuine thing. I think he did that last year. It took longer than I think he said it was going to, and I think it took longer than he was anticipating and we were anticipating. But um, eventually the answer did come, and that's kind of how I see it going this year. But it may go a little faster. We'll see. And then the question comes, do you think the decision is all yours? And, and, and again, in terms of honesty, we could easily look at this and say BS because we know ultimately Rodgers holds the cards, right? If Rodgers says I'm coming back, the Packers can't do anything about that. But here is his answer to um, the, essentially that question. No, I don't think so. I think there's got to be mutual uh, on both sides. So... Again, he, what, what he's saying is it, it needs to be mutual. In other words, I want them to want me back. 
you know, which is kind of interesting because he fought so hard to make sure he gets this contract so that the Packers can't move on from him on a whim. He wanted that security to know that he's in control of when he leaves. But at the same time now, he's saying, you know, if they decide they don't want me, then I'm going to leave. Well, how is that different? I mean, I, I guess, again, you're still kind of in control um, in some kind of a way. I, 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 don't, I don't really see a difference in the two, other than just a feeling of control where I leave on my terms. But it's the same exact outcome. It's just Rodgers choosing to leave as opposed to the Packers releasing him, trading him, whatever. It's, it, it, it is odd. And, and again, you could just say, well, it's, it's because it's BS. He's not going to honor what the Packers want. He's going to do whatever he wants. But it, it does seem a little odd. You know, if, and, and again, I really doubt, considering how Gutekunst and, and Matt LaFleur are talking, I'm sure what they're going to do is they're going to say, 100%, we want you back. They're not going to do any of this. Like, if you want to come back, we're going to work with you, and we're going to do our best to build out the best team, and we'll find a way to hang on to Bakhtiari and Jones and, and maybe Amos or whatever, and we'll, we'll do what we can. We're, we're limited now, but we're going to... I think that's going to be the tone, and I don't like that because I don't want to keep going down this path. It's not just a Rodgers thing. It's everybody else. I love Rodgers and Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones. I love those guys, but we we have put ourselves into a bind trying to go all in. We have to fix this mess, or it's just going to keep getting worse. And I want to fix it. And I, I again, it's just a hunch, but I think that they're going to go to him and say, we will continue to cause problems in order to keep you to try to go all in. I could be wrong, and, and maybe they're going to have some somewhat of a more honest conversation and saying, you know, we, we want you back, kind of like I was saying, we want you back, but we do have to start the cleanup process and we do need to start getting younger and we do need to start offloading some of these heavier contracts, especially if you are staying because now it's really going to weigh on us. You know, the contract, if you leave this next year, is really going to screw us. And so we absolutely cannot be carrying dead cap with Bakhtiari and Jones and all these other guys. We cannot have any of that the year that you're leaving because your cap hit alone is going to be massive. So, I, I I mean, that may have to be the conversation because I don't know if there is an alternative. If Rodgers stays and we keep all these guys, I don't, I don't know. That's so much dead money. So, I mean, even if they're trying to sell them, I don't think they can lie to them. So maybe that does have to be the conversation. You know, the only way these guys stay is if you don't. You know, this guy's gone no matter what. These guys will stay if you stay, if you, or if you leave, and these guys are gone if you come back. But we'll do everything we can to, to go into free agency and try to grab a little bit of this, that, or whatever, and to, to help you out in the draft. We're, we're planning on going heavy offense, and we've already got some stuff we're working on and whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know. But again, it's just, it is just a little bit interesting that um, he wanted control, but at the same time, he's kind of giving that control back to the Packers, saying, if you don't want me, I'll step away. It's weird. Then he was asked, you know, what about if they wanted to trade you? Would you be open to going to another team? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't like saying never, but um, got to see how I'm feeling first uh, once the emotion's out of it, and then have the right conversations and see, uh, see what the best direction is. So clearly his mind right now is no. But, you know, again, he wants to stay open to the possibility. And, and again, I do take him at his word. I think he means that it's a possibility. And so when the emotion's out, um, obviously he's, he's hostile toward that thought. I mean, he, even, even though he's trying to say, you know, I respect the team and all that, you could tell he was a little annoyed when the question was posed as what if they decide to move on. 
He gave kind of a little sharp response to that um, because it is an annoyance. I'm Aaron freaking Rogers. What do you mean if they don't want me, you know? Um, and so we'll see. I mean, it, that that's the thing. We got to see where he's at. He, you know, once the, the sort of sadness and the somberness wears off, if, if he does get the impression the Packers are looking to move on, maybe he is kind of getting a revitalized thing of maybe I could go play somewhere else and maybe I could go see what the Raiders are up to or, you know, if the 49ers wanted to, do you think he would say, I mean, that that's one of those things where it's, I don't know their cap situation and they seem to like Purdy, but I have to assume Rodgers would be a better option. I've had some sharp words for Rodgers, but I've never said he's worse than Brock freaking Purdy. <laughs> you know, is there a scenario if you, I mean, if, if he wants to play and it seems like the Packers don't, or at least your, your visions don't align and, you know, you have a conversation with uh, Shanahan and he's like, dude, I'd be down. You know, then it's just a question of the Packers. And you, and you say, well, why would the Packers ever do that? Well, number one, if you're looking to move on, what choices do you have? If he says, I'm going to retire or, or, or I'm going to, you know, or, or whatever the situation is, like, I would like to go to the 49ers and you don't want me here. What, what, what are the Packers' options? Say no and, and force him to stay even though you want to move on? Try to trade him to another team and he's going to torpedo the deal? Or are you just going to cut him? And then he just goes to the 49ers. I mean, you're going to get a bunch of compensation from the 49ers. And by a bunch, I mean, you know, it's not going to be a massive haul. I think it's, we're talking about potentially a one-year rental. And the 49ers don't have a first-round pick, but I tell you what, if they offered a 2024 first-round pick, you know how valuable that is for a team that's not sure about their quarterback situation, where you have 2023 to evaluate Jordan Love, and then in 2024, let's just say we have a top-10 pick because Love was bad, and we have the 49ers pick we could use as collateral to move up, which who knows, maybe they have pick 32, but still, we have that additional pick to use as, as collateral to move up and get a quarterback that we want. And if we do like Love, we have two picks to build around him on, on top of all the extra draft capital. We have, you know, to uh, picks to invest in receivers and tight ends and offensive line and all that. I'm saying I would do it. I just, I, I if, if, if he's leaving, get something for him. And again, I, I, I think that's such a low possibility. I think most likely he comes back a very close second as he retires. After that would be trading him to another team, which I just, you know, 2% chance. You know, I don't know. It's like 50%, 40%, and 2% in my mind. Did I say 50-40? 50-48 is what I meant if I didn't say that. Here's a uh, <laughs> pretty harsh. He, he tried to soften the, the edges a little bit, but it's a pretty harsh uh, question for Rodgers. You've said before that I think the term you used was you didn't want to go out like a bum. Uh, I'm not saying you, you played like one, but does not making the playoffs and maybe some of the struggles you had this season maybe make you lean toward wanting to come back? Do you think that will play a role in it? Not really. I mean, I have a lot of pride in what I've accomplished in this league. Uh, you know, a lot of ways I don't feel like we should have been even in this position with some of the some of the games that we lost, especially in that, in that stretch of uh, five games. But this is the reality we're in. And obviously didn't get, get it done tonight. Uh, you know, you want to go out winning the Super Bowl, but very rare that it, that actually gets to happen. Don't want to, you know, lose your last game uh, and miss out in the playoffs. But uh, this is a, a great profession and a really tough business, and doesn't always end with rainbows for everybody. So to be fair, he didn't really answer the question. I mean, and uh, the question was: You said you don't really want to go out like a bum. This wasn't a great ending, and you didn't really play particularly well. Does that? cause you to 
maybe decide that you want to come back. And he kind of just skirts around it and says, well, I'm proud of what I've done in the league, which has nothing to do with how you went out, which is the point of the question. Uh, and then just kind of came back and said, you know, sometimes you don't always get what you want, <laughs> which is, I don't want to go out like a bum. And, but, but his thought is, well, oh, well, but the point is, I, I think it's fair to say that is going to weigh on his decision. He said no, but I think the answer is yes. Um, there is obviously the counterpoint to, you don't always get what you want, but that is a reality. There, there is a part that within him that says, I don't want to go out on a low note. I went out on a low note and I don't want that. It's just a matter of how much that's going to weigh, uh, compared to everything else. And then he was asked, um, you know, do, do you think you still have it? Yeah. And the answer is yes. You know, I feel like, um, you know, obviously losing Devante was, was, uh, a, a big deal, but you know, we didn't uh, fill that void. And, I mean, nobody can. He's you know he's superhuman. He's phenomenal. But uh, there was hope in, in certain things that was going to fill that void, and ultimately that just didn't happen. The things that we were able to do, I think, um, you know, may have been taken for granted at times because we were able to create so many different things in the moment. Um, over the years, and especially over the last couple of years, because uh, not much really changed other than his absence from from the lineup. Obviously, Marquez not being here, uh, and some other pieces in the line. But um, but I, I think that there's a lot of good young talent on the team, and if certain guys make the jumps from years one to two, this offense could look a little bit different. So, as, as I'm assuming you can imagine, I didn't care for that response. Um, you know, again, the only person I've ever heard hold Rogers responsible for himself is Rogers, and he didn't do it right there. Um, you know, I, I get that the question is pointed and it's difficult, but he completely, again, completely just threw the receivers under the bus. And and it's not to say that there isn't some truth to it, but that's not the point. Every quarterback has challenges. Not every, I mean, just the fact that he's saying, you know, we never filled that role that Devontae filled, and he goes on to acknowledge and nobody can. I mean, the fact that it's like, I shouldn't be held accountable because I don't have Devontae freaking Adams. Come on, man. I mean, take just some of the response. Can you take 10%, 5% of the responsibility for the problems on this offense? He took zero. And again, it's the young receivers that got thrown under the bus. You know, it was it was a tough transition when Devontae left, and we thought maybe some somebody was going to step into that role, probably talking about Dobbs, and that didn't materialize. And, you know... Maybe if these guys can take a step, it'll be a great offense. But in in the meantime, it's just going to suck, and it's not my fault. Okay. Well, you had Lazard, right? I mean, he he actually might have been talking about Lazard to be honest, because when we started the season, that was sort of he was the number one guy, and that didn't really happen. And if he's taking shots at Lazard at this point, honestly, I don't even mind because <laughs> he's kind of seems like he's kind of being a little jerk. Maybe I'm reading that wrong, but I was kind of shocked at some of his comments. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, I get it. I get that it's tough and and it's a tough transition, but I I really think I think it's true that Devontae leaving was part of the problem, but I think that's a that's ultimately a problem with Aaron Rodgers. The fact that Rodgers was so dependent on Devontae and wasn't able to adapt to that. And and part of that is the coaching staff not being able to do it, but dude, we saw it, okay? We saw the plays. And I know sometimes it's it's tough because guys aren't exactly where they're supposed to be and they're missing their checks, and I get that that's annoying. But not every issue was that. There were times when you had a clean pocket and open receivers and missed them. Uh, I think it was, what, what, what was uh, Minnesota when he missed uh, Christian Watson, I think, four times? 
And we all talk about the first one because while he was being held, okay, I guess. But there was also the one where he was like five yards away and you just completely whiffed on the throw. Am I supposed to be mad at Christian Watson about that? Or the other throws down the sideline? Or how about all the times he was open on almost every single play and you just didn't throw it to him? I'm supposed to be mad at Watson about that? I'm supposed to be mad that they just never became the guys they were supposed to be? I'm sorry, I see the guy open all day long and you're not throwing it. I see Alan Lazard coming open uh, across the middle of the field when we've got two minutes to go down and win the game, and you throw a Hail Mary pass that lobs up in the air and gets picked off, and that's how the game ends. Am I mad at Watson or, or, or Lazard for getting wide open? I could be mad at the offensive line, but also if you had thrown to the right guy on time, the offensive line is an irrelevant question. It's a tough job, but, but Rodgers, we've seen you do it, dude. I'm not going to hold you to some patty cake standard. The fact that everybody else is talking down to Rodgers like he's a, he's a small child. All these mis- simple mistakes that, that mediocre quarterbacks don't make, and it's like, well, the offense... It, this, is what, this is exactly what Bears fans do about Justin Fields. Fields is playing bad. Yeah, well, his offensive line is terrible. Well, statistically, they're actually not that bad. They're pretty good. Well, you don't know anything. Well, look at, look at the wide receivers. That's the reason. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I've seen Aaron Rodgers overcome a heck of a lot. I've seen him perform magic. I've seen him literally drag this team. That's been the narrative, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. It's a lot of times, and, and Matt LaFleur talked about, you know, sometimes a quarterback gets too much credit, and that's true, but we've seen him drag this team. We've seen this team dead in the water, and he's single-handedly. You look at those playoff games against Dallas, some of those throws he made. Obviously, you got the Hail Mary throws and all this. I mean, he has performed magic. When there's nothing there, he creates it. That is the Aaron Rodgers that I'm that I'm uh, that 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 we've all seen. And to pretend that this is the same Rodgers and there's some kind of a drop off, or because Watson got off to a slow start, or Lazard isn't Devante, suddenly we just have to pretend that he's the same Rodgers. I don't, I don't understand this. You can't throw a five yard pass because what? Because Devante left. What sense does that make? Uh, next question is it's it's a good question in terms of its ability to to get a good answer. I appreciated this, but um, the question was, what would cause you to think that you've it's time to hang it up? Like, what would be those determining factors? No, just it's a feeling. Do I feel like I have anything left to prove to myself? Do I want to go back and gear up for another grind? Where is it time? Is it time to step away? Is it time for another voice to be leading this team? Um, I think I need to get away and, and contemplate those things. And those are real. Those are real to me. And I'm, you know, I have a lot of pride in what I've accomplished in this league, but uh, I'm also realist, and um, I understand where we're at as a team. We're a young team. There could be some changes with some of the older guys, and. You know, it, it could be time to step away. You know, the, the last two questions, and I didn't play the last one, um, but he talked a lot about how, you know, there's a lot of older guys that might be making personal decisions to move on. Uh, Randall Cobb may decide it's time to hang it up. Mercedes Lewis may decide to hang it up. Um, he talked about David Bakhtiari uh, as well as Mason Crosby and said, you know, that's going to weigh pretty heavily on his decision because it has to do with, you know, playing football is also about friendships and everything. And then, with this question, it's interesting because he says, you know, do I have anything left to prove to myself? While at the same time saying I've, I've proven a lot in this league, but, but also if you think about it, if we just put this full pic- picture together, on one hand you have this 
terrible grind that that is a negative about going through playing football, right? It's it's an absolute grind. On the other hand, I always phrase it as a love of the sport, a love of the game, and I'm sure that's part of it, but he phrased it as, do I have something left to prove? He kind of already answered that with the answer being no, but also beyond that, even if he does, what is coming back going to fix? Because he's expressed, essentially, he doesn't really have a lot of faith in this team, and he thinks a lot of the core pieces might be leaving, which also is a net negative on the other side of things as far as the grind. The grind gets harder when your buddies aren't there anymore. Right, So now you're grinding it out with guys that you don't know, young guys, all this stuff, and going through all that stuff for the purpose of proving something, knowing full well that you're probably not going to accomplish that, and you're going to have another bad season, whether that's you or just the team in general. Believing that you're going to go win the Super Bowl is a big thing, and I think that that's probably not where he's at. I mean, he's expressed that, you know, if these guys can take a step, then maybe, but what if they don't? Which is also where you're going to want to come in and talk to the team and be like, look, you're going to have to sell me on this and tell me that we're going to win and how we're going to do it. While at the same time explaining how we don't have any money to go out and get anybody and we're going to be losing guys like Mason and Mercedes and Randall. Not that they're, you know, they're they're pivotal in different ways. I don't think Randall is massively pivotal. Mercedes plays a big role. Um, And obviously replacing Mason could be a disaster. I know he seems to be losing a little bit. Uh, a lot of weird things with injuries kind of coming in and out, having people sub in to, to do the kickoffs and weird stuff like that. But, um, I mean, he's been steady. He's, he's, had some, he's had a couple down years, but he's been super steady, and, and uh, we've seen teams struggle to try to find reliable kickers, and it can be an absolute grind trying to find that, and that can be a real problem, too, for a quarterback that, you know, you go and drive the team down the field to get yourself in scoring position, and he misses a 35-yard field goal, you know, a chip shot, um, you're going to be pretty ticked off about it. So, um, you know, again, I'm trying not to overreact so so much in terms of retirement, but if you just stack the pieces, if you just bring out the scales, it's hard to imagine that it's not weighing heavier in, in, on the side of, of retirement because right now I'm looking at it and saying it's just love of the game, but how much love of the game is there? If you don't believe in the team, you don't believe in the coach, you don't believe in the GM, you don't believe in the roster, and, and some of these I'm making up, but I, I do think he has reservations about this team as far as Matt LaFleur and, and the, the scheme and the offense and that. I mean, he's had butted heads and talked about the flaws in, in the system. Um, and again, your, your, your core pieces are leaving, and you have some doubts about the pieces that are there and whether or not they're good enough, and can you compete? So, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm kind of talking myself into maybe going... 50, 48 in the other direction. Because, you know, again, I mean, just just take the pieces. What's left? Love of the game. Well, how much do you love grinding it out with people that, you know, all your core guys are gone just to go out and, you know, be the second or third best team in the NFC North, maybe get into the playoffs, and uh, but not really be in competition with the top dogs like the 49ers and the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills and the Eagles or whoever else is going to be top dog in the NFC going forward. Dallas, do you want that? I don't know. I think the biggest thing for me is it just feels impossible that he would leave, and that's why it weighs so heavily. But when you actually weigh out the the facts and and the the pieces that he's laid out in terms of the positives and negatives, it just seems super heavy in the negative. And and we'll we'll see. I mean, if if Big Dog says, you know what, I want to give it another year, and Randall's willing to come back, and the Packers are willing to keep Devonte or uh, Devonte uh, David Bakhtiari. 
and maybe Jonesy, then then that probably would weigh pretty heavily in terms of his enjoyment coming back and fighting it out, especially if they can lay out a plan for here's where we intend to allocate resources. We're going to go heavy offense and really try to load you up. And, um, you know, we'll start off obviously week one with a white hot Christian Watson and, you know, year two Romeo Dobbs, et cetera, et cetera. But I could take some time and say, hell no, man, I need to need to get back out there and, and go on another run. Um, but I'll have to see uh, what it feels like once I'm, once I'm away from it. So, you know, again, we'll see. We'll see. But we need to keep an eye on some of these other factors. And, and I think Tuesday will be interesting just from the standpoint of is he going to, how much is he going to divulge in terms of what the team told him? Um, and, I, and there is always a shred of, of honesty I mean, he's, I, I genuinely think he's, he's a pretty honest person as much as everybody thinks he's a liar. I think he says what he means. Uh, it's just a question of how good of a job is he going to do guarding that conversation as opposed to leaking some things out. Um, be very interested in that. I found this also very interesting. Um, I'll have to be more selective because we're, we're running long here, but this answer to what happened on that last play, he takes a, a shred of, of responsibility on it, but the last part is what's really surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't exactly see. I felt like the safety was in the middle of the field and uh, was trying to work uh, the other side. Uh, Bobby, uh, whoever's running through route got knocked off and um, felt like I was about to get rocked and, and just tried to lay one up to Christian and didn't get enough on it. But So again, the, the, the two points that he kind of took on himself is sounds like he's semi-misunderstood the safety situation and tried to get the ball to Christian and couldn't get enough on it. Right, he didn't say I got hit and that's why it flew up in the air. It's I just didn't get enough on it. Continuing, uh, those last three calls definitely uh, sting a little bit. Um, but uh, still got to execute. The last three calls sting, but you still have to execute. So. He 100% hated the calls from Matt LaFleur on those last three. Now, again, I'm having a real hard time sympathizing considering there was an easy first down conversion on that last play. I don't remember what the two calls before that were. Don't really remember. Doesn't really matter. But it's hard for me to look at it and say, hey, maybe Matt dropped the ball and Rodgers is frustrated um, when the play worked and a guy was open. But it is interesting, and, and you wonder why he's so angry about the last three calls. But again, you, you just, it's just such a weird dynamic um, because you just feel the, the, the anger from Rodgers that the right call wasn't made, and then Matt LaFleur hangs his head and goes to the podium and says, I got to be better. It's just so weird. If, if I call a play and I get a guy wide open and you airmail it and throw a pick and then get in my face, I'm going to freaking smack you and then go bust me out at the podium? Maybe they weren't great calls. I don't know. But... I, you, you just you can't tolerate that as a coach, man. That's all I'm saying. And then to take it on the chin, and not only blame yourself but blame your offensive line. I you know, I don't know. But anyways, a really important question after that is you know because again the question is how much do you actually believe that you can get there? The question was asked. What's it going to take for you to get there? Competing for a title. Yeah, probably a couple of players away. I think. Um, could be guys that we have that develop into those players, but um, yeah, I think we're really close, but a couple players away. 
Now, I can't help but think he's talking specifically about the wide receivers, but who knows? I mean, it could be a, a, a Zach Tom thing, um, but he specifically says we're a couple players away and they might be on the team right now. I, it, it feels to me like from Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers' perspective, this whole season hinged on getting wide receivers that were competent. We didn't have any. Let me put it to you this way, and this just hit me now. If Rodgers comes back, I think the Packers will be unbelievably aggressive in getting a wide receiver, or possibly Michael Mayer, the tight end. If if this is the position of the team, that we were there, we got the defense, we've got the quarterback, we got the offensive line, we got the running backs, we have everything we need, we didn't have the wide receivers, although they may develop into that, if that's the one piece we're away, we're going wide receiver in the draft, potentially tight end, if he's a, a serious receiving threat. So keep an eye on that. Again, I don't know that that's what he's saying. It could be, again, it could be offensive line. A few pieces away. I mean, you know, again, uh, Josh Myers was kind of a disaster. I think he's been getting more praise than than his, uh, although maybe not this year. His first year, it was like, oh, he no, he's really good. And he wasn't. And he really didn't improve this year. Josh Nyman, you know, potentially that's an issue. And, and he's talking maybe Zach Tom can be that guy. I don't know potentially a, a Devontae Wyatt thing. You know, we need help, a, a pass rush, defensive tackle, and that's it. But um, there's not a lot of other things that it could be talking about. He's not talking about safety. There's nobody there that's going to emerge into anything. He's not talking about Rudy Ford. He's not talking about corner. He's not talking about linebacker, I don't think. I mean, he could be talking about Quay getting a little bit better, but I don't think so. He's not talking about running back. Certainly not talking about quarterback. So offensive line, defensive tackle, wide receiver. And again, considering this entire conversation between Matt and Rodgers, every time something comes up about the offense falling off, it's about Devontae left, and we couldn't right quite get things going because of that. We, we never had the guys to replace him. So it sounds to me that's their summary. I don't agree with that summary. I think there were a billion flaws, and a lot of it had to do with culture and attitude and, and also scheme from Joe Barry and, and potentially play calling on offense and everything else. A lot of issues, and to boil it down to we just didn't have good enough wide receivers, to me seems um, a little scary, to be honest, that that's kind of where they're at. Like, no, we just need some better wide receivers. We'll be fine. Okay. Well, if they if, if I get you a wide receiver and he gets open, you're going to throw it to him, or you're going to throw a bomb to the other team? What are we thinking? I mean, if, if you just want me to go get a stud that you can key in on and just force the ball to him 24-7 like you did Devontae, I'm not so sure I'm a big fan of that plan. Doesn't it sound like that's what he wants? Like, we, we almost had a Devontae replacement. I kind of thought we were going to get that, where I could just force the ball to this guy. You know, we tried it with Lazard, and it didn't work. Tried forcing the ball to, to uh, Dobbs a couple times, and then he got hurt and came back, and it wasn't the same. And then I tried forcing the ball to Watson, and it kind of worked for a couple weeks, and then it didn't work anymore. Or how about we freaking stop that? I don't know. Just trying to think outside the box a bit. But no, it could just be wide receivers. You could be right. Um a little bit later on, I'm trying to skip. I'm skipping some good ones here, but we got to get rocking. Um, he was asked about because he keeps talking about you know we got to see what the team's doing. We got to see what the, the the team wants to do. Every time he's asked about it, like it's not just me, it's them, it's them. He keeps trying to point to the Packers, and so somebody just flat out asked him like, "Do you do you keep saying that? Do you get some kind of an indication that they don't really want you, or or where where is that coming from? Or is that based on your feeling? It's just a feeling. Yeah, it's just a feeling." Um, I think to assume it's a foregone conclusion, um, you know, would be probably slightly egotistical. So 
I'm going to be a realist here and understand that there's a lot of different parts uh, to this. And like I said, you know, I was uh, aware of, you know, the possibility of them going young if we had gotten to a point where we were out of it. And I'm aware of that possibility as well. Um, wouldn't be, you know, the best reality, but I know it's a, it's a possibility. So first of all, I found it interesting that he said it's just a feeling. Uh, he kind of glossed over it and was like, you know, I'm just trying to be realistic and understand. And, and he's right. There, when you kind of step back, you know, and you're not honed into, I'm freaking Aaron Rodgers, and you kind of step back and look at the situation, he kind of sees what we see where it's like, uh, I don't know, you know, the financial situation, and we got Jordan, and, you know, we're getting younger, and the cap is getting kind of messy. And like he sees that. He knows that. And, and there is a realistic thing there. But... Again, he started off by saying, you know, why do you keep saying that? And he said, it's just a feeling. I believe what he's saying is he kind of gets a feeling that maybe the the organization is kind of looking to move in in another direction, which I find interesting. And I, he certainly, you certainly don't get that impression at the podium. Um, and you know that that may just be an organizational decision to be unbelievably pro Aaron Rodgers until the day that he's not here anymore, based on how things have gone in the past where you kind of tip your hat that maybe we're going to move on and then you got to try to make nice with the guy that you've decided you're going to keep, you know, which, which makes sense because you put yourself in a tough spot when you kind of blow the guy off and then you draft a quarterback and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot, we're going to keep him. And now it's like, hey, never mind, buddy. Like, we're best friends, right? So maybe that is just sort of the organizational decision. I'm not letting Matt off the hook. you got to be a coach and and – honestly assess guys and don't throw people under the bus or whatever. But I'm just saying in terms of when the question is asked directly about Aaron Rodgers and do you want him back, the answer to the question is yes, right? Organizational decision. We say yes until the answer is no, officially no. Um, and I could understand that. And then this, and, and, and to be fair, one of the things I've always loved is how, uh, how he talks about Jordan Love. There, there clearly seems to be... Um, a respect and an admiration, mutual admiration going in both directions. He's always been very cordial and polite when talking about Jordan Love. And and for obvious reasons, he was in that exact same situation. But the question was asked, um, is Jordan ready, essentially? For this team? I don't know if you ever, uh, you know, you're not ready. You don't know you're ready until you're in that position. Um, I remember the day I was in, you know, sleeping and, in San Diego and woke up to 50 text messages that Brad had retired and then that emotions hit you that oh man I'm now I'm the guy uh, but you still got to go out there and find your stride with leadership and and withstand the first year of different defenses throwing things at you and all the pressure and that comes with everything so uh, but I think he's done a nice job of Improving, working on the little things, done a nice job in practice. and um, I think he's got a chance to have a long future in the league. And again, just the, the, the fact, if he's bitter about it, it's very, you give a very short answer. It's, I don't know, or yeah, he'll probably be fine, or whatever. Like, in other words, let's move on. But he took the time to really empathize and go back and talk about his experience and how hard it is, and you never really know. However, he's done a really nice job doing this, that, or the other. Um, and, and again, I believe that's a truthful answer. Nobody knows. Jordan doesn't know. The coaches don't know. The GM doesn't know. Rogers doesn't know. 
we kind of throw that around about, well, maybe they know and therefore they may have made a decision that they believe he can or they believe he can't, but nobody really knows if he can. And we won't know. And, and even after the first year, we won't officially know because, well, I mean, you, well, it's not his first year, it's his fourth year. No, it's his first year as a starter, and that matters. That's exactly what this whole conversation is about. You don't know until you're actually starting. You don't even start, start the clock. I mean, he's had extra practice to be a starting quarterback. He hasn't been a starting quarterback until maybe this year if Rodgers does decide to hang it up. Then you start the clock. Year one, how did he do? Year two, how did he do? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, skipping the part where he says he can walk away from the money because that's essentially it. He said he could walk away from the money. It's not a problem. But um, here is another thing. And, and again, I just... It feels like it's pointed at Matt LaFleur. really does. Um, I, I don't know. And, and, and again, I've been critical of Matt LaFleur. Maybe there is a Matt LaFleur problem with the play calling and everything else going on. But he was asked, what went wrong? Right? You, you got healthy receivers. You got all this good. Like, everything is fine. Excuses aside, what the heck happened? Here's what he said. There's a lot of things I could say, but I don't feel like saying them right here, right now. So, again, I, he's already talked about the wide receivers. He's already talked about the, the, the he's, he's mentioned it. So, so what is it that's a big secret that you can't talk about? Big picture. You got all these things. Why didn't it come together? There's a lot of things I could say. I don't feel like talking about it right here, right now. Listen, I, I, I don't covet this because it's scary to not have things. That's why people don't want to let go of Aaron Rodgers because we have a quarterback and not having one is scary. And it's the same thing with Matt LaFleur. If we don't have a coach, it's scary and I don't want to talk about it. I'm just saying it, it just feels like something's brewing underneath the surface. It really does. We know about the culture thing, but why are guys giving up? Like, why are they so, like, not engaged? Like, Kenny and even Jair, he's got, like, this whole mentality of, like, it, it, you know, I'm going to do what I do. And, they, they, you know, they're their own problem. If they don't want to work, then that's fine. You know, like, they're, they're, there's something's missing. And then you got Rodgers taking kind of a sideways shot about those last three calls really staying but you still got to execute. In other words, Matt called garbage plays, essentially. And maybe it's the offensive coordinator. You know, when, when we lost our offense, maybe that was a really big deal. I don't know. He doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't want to get guys fired or put under pressure or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure he'll say these things in private when he's talking to these guys. And again, I, I, I look at it and I'm like, this offensive line scheme is garbage. And then he blames the offensive line because they're not doing what he asked, what they asked them to do, which is an impossible task. And, you know, the defense, it took until, what, week 14 for Joe Barry to figure out how to properly use this defense? Look, as scary as it is to, to even have the conversation, how much more is it going to suck to continue to stack this team with talent and then watch it get wasted because we don't have the right coaches? If they're not the right guys, we have to make a change. There's no question about it. There's nothing else to even talk about. I don't know what Rodgers is talking about. I'm just saying you start reading between the lines and all these different things. And, you know, Matt's taking some on himself, but I don't really read too much into that. But there's the things that we've all seen. There's the glaring cultural issues, which are just terrible and have been happening ever since Matt LaFleur got there. You know, everything's great, but then it just inexplicably falls apart, whether it's guys going off and doing things that they shouldn't be doing, partying late at night, missing curfews. We got to change and go a day later because the guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You got the whole issue with Zedarius and the and the locker room breaking down and, and all this weird stuff going on behind the scenes. And now we've got 
like Aaron Rodgers taking a couple different shots, one directly at Matt LaFleur or the play calling or whatever, and this one's somewhat seeming indirect in that general direction. Because I don't think this is a wide receiver thing. He's already addressed that flat out. There's something going on behind the scenes in the locker room, and, and maybe that's what he's talking about. He might be just talking about the culture. He might be, there. Maybe there's some guys in the locker room that are toxic. Maybe that's what it is. But again, it still kind of comes back to a cultural issue, which is ultimately driven by the coach. I hope we get to the bottom of it. Um, ultimately, Gutekunst, Murphy, those guys, Lafleur, need to get to the bottom of it and get it fixed, whatever it is. More important than me knowing. But I don't want Rodgers to just swallow it. Say it. Whatever it is. Anyways, I'll leave it at that. Uh, we don't need to get into the what are you going to miss thing because he's answered that question like 700 times. Um, anyways, uh, you have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.